we're in week three. Everybody say week three. Week three of a series on Psalms. It's, uh, it's been a good one. Uh, we are, the, if you don't know, if you're new with us, which we have some new people over the last few weeks, Psalms are uh, songs written by different authors, mostly by David, but some are written by other folks. And so these songs, they give us uh, this kind of uh, vulnerable insight unto the heart of people to God. Does that make sense, everybody? And so it's in the Bible for a reason, and it's in the Bible because we can learn from the Psalms. We can learn how to pray and how to worship um, based on what we read in these Psalms. And if it, if, if um, you read the Psalms, you'll realize there's a lot in them. There's a lot of praising the Lord, but then there's also, uh, I think it's Psalm 10 that starts off with, Lord, why are you so far away from me? which is such a vulnerable statement, such an honest statement um, for someone that feels like God is far away. Has anybody in this room ever felt like God's far away from you, right? If we're being honest, some of us have, that God is distant. And so why would we draw close to God if he's so distant from us? Um, and I heard something uh, that was really intriguing. And, and to clarify, God's not far off from you. Uh, we've just turned our attention somewhere else. What I mean by that is, uh, so um, Vince is two, a little over two now. And you, if you guys have seen him recently, he's running around acting a fool, being crazy. But for the first year of Vince's life, we carried him everywhere. And it's oftentimes the same. This isn't even my notes. I'm sorry. But it's oftentimes the same when we're Christians. When we first get saved and we encounter God, it's like, man, God is so close. I feel him every Wednesday when I'm, when I'm worshiping and because I've realized who he is. And God's holding us in this infancy. And at some point, God has to let us walk in our faith on our own. And at that point, we often say, God's far away. But he's not far. He just set you down. <laughs> He didn't let you down. He set you down. Does that make sense? I'm never far off from Vince, but I, I, I'm letting him walk it out instead of holding his hand through the whole thing. So sometimes, maybe if, you, if you've been a Christian a while and you're, and you're wondering, man, I feel like God's far off. God's not far off. You're just growing and you're maturing and you've got to walk this thing out. Amen? And if you've never encountered Jesus before and you're like, I don't even believe there's God. I think he's far off. If you would just turn your attention towards him, you'll find him real close and find that he loves you. Amen? All right. So that's what the Psalms are all about, for us to learn how to worship. And, and even in this, these moments where we're singing these songs, there's, there's a level of vulnerability. There's a level of, of, of just us and Jesus that we can reach that I think a lot of us don't even realize we can reach. Um, and God wants to know you personally. Not, we don't, here at Echo Youth, we don't believe in just the, the, the idea of God. We don't believe in uh, that, that, that God is just this guy in the sky who... who who just observes us. We believe that God has a personal relationship with each and every one of us uh, if we discover it. Amen? So uh, I'm going to talk about uh, a topic of redirection, okay? I believe prayer and worship can redirect us. And I'm going to read a psalm and read some other things. We're going to get into it, okay? So if you have your Bibles if on your phone or a physical Bible, if you don't have a Bible and you'd like a Bible, we have Bibles. I said Bible a lot right there. But we have Bibles we'd love to give you. Um, that uh, Pastor Jeff and Paula purchased so kindly, and so they'd love to, we'd love to share those with you. Um, but we are going to be in Psalm uh, 63. Uh, I would say chapter 63, but they're not chapters, they're songs. So this is the 63rd song in the collection of songs. 
So we're going to do Psalm 63. And we're just going to do the first five verses because I think that's the most uh, impactful part of it. Okay, And I'm going to go ahead and get reading because I have some ideas for us. Um, and we had so much fun in that game. I don't know how much time we're going to have at the end. Leaders, just be prepared. Okay, So it might just be, might just be this. Psalm 63 says, you, God, are my God. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Real quick, some background of this story is this is a psalm that David wrote. Anybody know who David is in the Bible? Anybody know who David is? Oh, David's right here. Uh, David and Goliath, right? King David. David wrote this when he was in the desert of Judah. So he's out in the desert, and David is writing this song. So he says, God, I, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you. In a dry and parched land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life. That's a powerful statement. Your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. Was it the same? Hopefully it was the same. I thought it was the same. Um, it was. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I'll praise you as long as I live. I'll be fully satisfied with the richest of foods, singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Powerful, powerful. Here's what I get from this psalm, right? We, we've talked about um, some other, the psalm last week that Ben preached on was this like joy that we remember and so we can look forward to joy even in the midst of sorrow. And we've talked about some different uh, ideas. And week one we talked about, if you guys remember, we talked about the palm tree and being rooted. Do you guys remember that? This week we're talking about longing for the Lord. Longing for the Lord. What this means is like each and every one of us, whether we know it or not, in our nature, it's our nature to long for God. Here's how I know. Can I give you guys some cold hard facts? <laughs> Here's how I know. Everybody in the history of, wor- of the world naturally longs for God. Here's how I know. Because, have you guys ever heard of this thing called atheism? Anybody ever heard of that? That's the belief that there is no God. Atheism is new. It's a new concept. Within the last couple hundred years, maybe even the last hundred years, it's this thing that has popped up. Before that, everybody believed. Not everybody, but <laughs> I would say majority believed that there was a God. They just disagreed on what that God was. Does that make sense? If you look back to the, the most ancient of, of uh, people groups, they worship something, Right? If you would go right now to a people group that's never been uh, reached, to a people group that doesn't uh, speak any language that we know, that's never seen uh, uh, humans, for, like they're on a deserted island, I could guarantee you they're worshiping something. 
Everyone is, is worshiping something. It's all these different religions, all these different things. And we know from the Bible and what, we've, what we know that there's, there's one true God and his, his name is Jesus, right? And, but here, here's the thing. C.S. Lewis, I think it was Lewis, brought this example that's really, really good. So if we can all agree that people long for God, even if it's subconscious, we long for a creator. Uh, there was a, a pastor, I think it was McCart, maybe MacArthur, Maxwell, one of the two. I think it was Maxwell, um, John Maxwell, who he said to somebody, someone said, oh, I'm atheist. So they're like, oh, you don't believe in God. They're like, no. And he said, well, don't you miss him? Whoa. <laughs> And all of you, when I said that, like, something hit you. Even if you're in this room, you're new, you don't believe in God. It's like, oh, you don't believe him, but don't you miss him. Don't you wish there was a God? Even if you don't believe in God, don't you wish there was somebody that created all this and knew how everything was supposed to work and would give you the keys to it all and would just hold you in his hands and would love you? Don't you wish there was somebody like that? Yes. All of us long for that. All of us wish for that. So that proves that there is a God. Brett, you're crazy. No, I'm not. Watch this. Let's say I put you on a boat, a little, like, canoe in the middle of the ocean. And I, like, men in black wiped your memory. So you don't remember anything. How would you know that there's such thing as food? If I wiped your memory, you don't know anything and you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean, how would you know eventually that there's such thing as food? You get hungry. So your body longs for this thing that you don't quite know what it is, but you know if you would get it, it would satisfy the hole that's inside of you. This is a human condition. We all long for something that we don't, we do, but people oftentimes don't know what it quite is. But if we would just get it, it would satisfy the thing that we know we need to get, have satisfied. And, and, and it's not hunger in the physical sense, it's hunger of our souls. There's something missing in us. There's a God-sized hole in our heart and it needs to be filled with him, right? And so if we would just cue into that our soul is longing for something and we here at Echo Youth and at all the places that worship Jesus, we know that that's God. That it's Jesus. He's the one that fills the hole in my heart. He's the one that makes everything okay. I, when I first met Mikey, he came up to me and I said, why are you here? And he said, because I want a better life. And I said, okay, my life is good. He's like, what? I told him at the time, I was like, I don't make a lot of money. I don't have nice cars. I don't have a super nice house. But my life is good. Why? Because of one thing, that hunger has been satisfied. Nothing else matters. Life is good. There's millionaires, billionaires out there that their life is way worse than mine. Because they're still searching for something. And I make, I'm less successful, or I make less, or, I, or I'm not as, I'm not, by, if you looked at, like my paycheck, and, the, and though I, I, I make enough money to live, but if you looked at everything, I, I can't afford the brand new nice car, I can't afford the big house, I can't afford whatever, you would think like, oh, he's not super happy. I'm so happy, so happy. 
Because God is who he says he is. Okay, second sentence of my notes. <laughs> we long, that's actually facts. We long for God. But can we be honest? Though we long for God, more often than not, we're tired, we're angry, we're hurt, we're stressed, we're, 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 we're not happy. For those of us that haven't discovered this like an un, immeasurable peace, we're just not okay. A lot of you in this room are young, and so you know the idea of God, but maybe you haven't experienced the friendship that God brings. And so it's like, that psalm is beautiful. I long for the Lord. I thirst for him. Everything's great. I'm going to worship you with all my days. But I don't feel like worshiping him today because my life is tough and my parents are going through it and my siblings are fighting. I'm getting bullied at school. I'm getting, I, I, I'm getting made fun of at home. I'm, I'm, people are telling me I'm this way and, I, and I'm not this way and blah, blah, blah. Whatever it is, right, I'm, I'm feeling depressed, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling stressed, so why would I worship a great God? Because he is the answer to all that. Because he is. And don't get me wrong, God, the story of the Bible is not that Jesus would stop all the suffering in our life. The story of the Bible is that Jesus gives us the strength to walk through it. Like I said in my prayer, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. A lot of people will crumble in the valley of the shadow of death. But I can walk through it and fear no evil because who's with me? God's with me. And here's the thing. The reason we feel this way is because Romans 3.23 says, if you guys could throw it up for me, Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned. And fallen short of the glory of God. So at the beginning, like we talked about it, when you, if you were here for our Genesis series, Adam and Eve were at the, at the beginning, had a perfect relationship with God. Everything was good, and then they sinned, and everything else was sin, 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 sin. Israel is far away from God, far away from God. It's almost comical when we read the story of the Bible. We just keep getting further and further and further away from God, so much so that one time God flooded the earth and saved one family and then started over, and it got even worse. And so oftentimes a lot of religions feel like they have to earn, they, they have to please the God so they would earn this like euphoric paradise thing. But what, what the, the truth and the reality is, is the reason that we love Jesus is sure because we get to go to heaven and we don't have to go to hell. But the reason we love Jesus is because he saves us from ourselves, Saves us from the behaviors that, that lead us down to a, a, a destruction and lead us down to the wrong path, and then we find true fulfillment. Jesus says that he wants us to have life and life more abundantly. So we've fallen short, and we've sinned, and so it separates us from the Lord. And so how is this fixed? How do we find ourselves in a place of relationship with God? And the answer is Jesus. And you're like, Brett, some of you are like, I've heard this before. Well, good, you, you can hear it again. <laughs> The answer is Jesus. When he died on the cross, there was this thing, uh, kind of this, the temple and the, where the holy place was, there was this veil that would be, it, it, it was called the Holy of Holies behind this veil. And no, nobody could go in there without dying. Only like the, the blameless and spotless could. So much so that if anybody was sent into the Holy of Holies, they'd tie a rope around their foot just in case they died so they could drag them out. 
And when Jesus died on the cross, the veil, the, the covering there that, that, that blocked the way tore from top to bottom. Signifying the Lord's coming to us, there's no more separation. Jesus is saying, you can have all of me. So now, the door is open to what our hearts long for. Like that psalm says, we, we hunger and we thirst for the Lord. Like I was talking about like the person on the boat who, who's hungry and they don't quite know what it is. We long for God. We long for relationship with God and for, the, for all of history up until Jesus. After Adam and Eve, there was no way... To just get to him. Moses, Elijah, and others said, Lord, show me your glory. And he's like, well, I, I'll, I can't. Because if you saw all of me, you die. But now it's like we have this relationship with Jesus that we can just go to him. There's a woman in the Bible who, who she, she's sick. She has this issue, and she goes, and all she does is just touches Jesus. And she's healed. How did she know that? she longed for it. She knew this, this is the one I've longed for. This is the one I've prayed for. So now the door is open for, for what our hearts long for. This is worship. This is why we worship. This is why you might hear me like it's like a, a broken record where I'm like, have, be passionate in worship and worship with everything you have. And you're like, eh, bro, we're singing songs. No, no, no. This isn't Christian karaoke. This is singing to the Savior of the world that we weren't, we weren't, we didn't have access to, and now we have access to where we could just touch the hem of his garment and be healed. This is why we worship. Because what our soul longs for has been given to us freely when we didn't deserve it. So that's why we worship. And if you ever see me, if you were at worship night on Sunday night, I'm sitting here, I look down after I was done playing, and there's, there's water at my feet. And I was thinking, I didn't sweat that bad, and I realized I wept. Why would I weep if life is good? Because I weep because he's better. And I realize that, that I can't go back to where I've been and I don't want to and I never will because he saved me from it. He saved me from myself and life is so much better because my heart has access to what it's always longed for and it's God. This is worship. An opportunity to redirect from death to life. From lost to found. From sinner to saved from unholy to righteous. This is the opportunity. And it's great. Because on our own, in our own strength, we can't, we can't do any of that redirecting. We can't. So there's this story in Luke chapter 7, if you guys want to turn to it. It's, a, it's an amazing story. We're going to start in verse 36 and make our way uh, from there. Um. And we'll read it in pieces. So I'm going to do uh, verse 36 through 39 right now. So when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. Jesus was lounging, bro. Jesus was posted up. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life, Bible's basically saying you can fill in the blanks. We don't need to throw her under the bus too far, but she lived a sinful life. Learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came here with an alabaster jar of perfume. 
And she stood behind him at his feet, weeping. Everybody say weeping. She began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. What would bring a sinful woman who lives a sinful life? What this means is that she was consistently living a sinful life. Maybe even her vocation was sinful. You can fill in the blanks, whatever your maturity level is. (laughs) She was a sinful woman. What would bring a sinful woman like that to the feet of Jesus? To worship him. To weep at his feet. To pour out this perfume to wash his feet, all of this, there's a lot of symbolism, and I can't get into all of it, but it's, the few things you need to know is that that jar of perfume was worth half a year's wages. So let's put it in Orange County terms. There was a study that came out that said, in order to live a comfortable life in Orange County, your household needs to make $150,000 a year. I missed that memo, you know, but, (laughs) but God is good. But let's use that $150,000 a year to live a comfortable life here in Orange County. This woman broke a jar of perfume worth $75,000. Is that the math? Yeah. You guys looked at me funny. You're wrong. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) She, she, she broke a jar of perfume worth $75,000 and poured it at Jesus' feet. What in the world is going on? Why would she do that? Why would a sinful woman who lives a knowingly sinful life come to Jesus' feet, weep, not just cry, weep, break a jar of perfume that's worth $75,000 and wash his feet with it? What's happening? She's found the one that her soul longs for. She's found the one that might make everything right. She's found the one that might make it make sense to leave the life of sin. And she doesn't know it, but she's anointing him for burial. She's found the one. Verse 39, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man, meaning Jesus, he says, if Jesus were a prophet, he would know who is touching him, what kind of woman she is. She's a sinner. So this Pharisee is named Simon. He's basically saying, that's disgusting. And if Jesus was really a prophet, if he was really who people think he is, he'd know that she's a Filthy sinner. And she shouldn't even be touching him. And Jesus says, not directly here, but this is his heart, I promise. He, he's thinking to himself, oh, but I've come here for her. I've come here so she might be saved. I've come here so she doesn't have to feel worthless anymore. I've come here so she doesn't have to degrade herself for money anymore. I've come here for her, Simon. Not even for you. In this moment at his house. Simon can be saved if he wants to. (laughs) 
don't don't take that out of context. You could Simon, you're good, man. Like you could you could be saved. <laughs> She's not worthy to be in the presence of the Pharisee, which means she's sure as heck not worthy to be in the presence of Jesus. But she's longed for it. And he all of a sudden says, welcome. Do what you must. But she's not worthy. But guess what? Neither are we. So the reason why I weep during worship at times is because I'm just like her. I'm no better than her. Sure, I'm a pastor. Sure, I've, I've, I've been a Christ follower for most of my life. But I still sin and I fall short, just like that, that verse said. And so I'm a filthy sinner sitting at Jesus' feet, washing his feet, saying, God, everything I have, every possession I have, everything I own, even if it's expensive, even if it doesn't make sense, God, would you take it all? Because you're what my soul's longed for. But she approached him humbly, honestly, and the Bible says with much love. So we must do the same. Let's go down to verse 44. Then (laughs) Uh, Jesus turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Not Steen, but the Pharisee. He said, do you see this woman? I came into your house, but you did not give me any water for my feet. Backstory, they wear sandals everywhere, and it's really dusty, so can you imagine how nasty their feet are? So have you ever been into someone's house where they're like, please take off your shoes? Anybody ever been into someone's house? Or your house is the house where they're like, take off your shoes? Yeah, so imagine your shoes and your toesy, the dogs are out at all times, and so you're walking around in the dust, and you just got nasty, grimy, dirty, like, sandy feet so the the custom would be to wash your feet when you walk in so that they're clean does that make sense he says you invited me to your house you didn't even give me water to wash my feet where am I okay but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair you did not give me a kiss not like on the lips but like you know like a like a you know, like a, hey, welcome, you know, that type of thing, all right? I don't, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> you did not give me a kiss, but this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins, <laughs> many sins, have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. What does that mean? He's saying, Simon, you think you haven't sinned, bro. And so if I said, I forgive you, you'd think, cool. You forgave me of little. And he says, those who are forgiven little, love little. It's not about who actually is forgiven little, because we all are forgiven much. It's about who thinks they're forgiven little versus who thinks they're forgiven much. If we could recognize that we are forgiven much, then we will love much. And we'll see people for who they are. We're in a world right now where everybody's fighting all the time, and everybody's at each other's throats, and everybody's angry, and everybody's, but if you would just realize that their story is a lot like yours. Well, they don't know how I've suffered. 
They haven't been through what I've been through. So I'm allowed to be grumpy, but they're not. Oh, man, if we would just meet people where they're at, you know? If we would just, and if we would just be humble enough to see someone's perspective, we might just get along. Here's the cool thing. Her faith saved her, just like our faith saves us. Her worship was pleasing to the Lord. She realized there's no place she'd rather be in the world than at Jesus' feet. And I've realized the same thing. There's no place in the world I'd rather be than at the feet of Jesus. The cool thing is, not only is there salvation. Salvation's cool. Salvation's great. Salvation means we're saved. Salvation means we get to go to heaven. Salvation is amazing. But not only is there salvation in this story, there's transformation. He doesn't only say, oh, you are saved. He says this at the very end. Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. How did she meet him? Weeping. How did she leave him? In peace. Listen, I don't want just a God who saves. Though that is cool. And you're like, what are you talking about? No, because Jesus is much better than that. Jesus saves me, but he transforms me. Jesus loves me and says, come as you are, but he loves me enough to not let me stay as I am. And let me, he lets me become more and more like him. Because as I look at him, I, I realize, have you ever looked at somebody and you're like, I want to be just like them when I grow up. <laughs> when I was a kid, I wanted to be just like my dad. So much so that when I landed an inch shorter than him, it was like the end of my life. Like it was, oh, you know. I wanted to be just like my dad. And so what do I do? Vince is starting to do it now. Vince today, he told the dad, he goes, Mama, my back hurts. She goes, what? My back hurts. And he grabs the foam roller and lays down on it. I'm like, okay, chill out, dude. You're just mocking me, you know? But what's he doing? He's mimicking someone he wants to be like. So being holy and righteous and following the rules is not about, like, being better than somebody else. It's noticing that we're so much worse than Jesus, and I just want to be a little bit more like him today than I was yesterday. It's like a young kid looks at their father or looks at their mother and be like, I would love to be like that one day. And if you don't have that in life, it's just someone that you can look up to that I want to be like that one day. And that person uh, uh, is, is, is not a human. It's, re- it's really, or he, he is a human. His name's Jesus. But he's not someone that we're walking around with right now. Don't try to be like me. Try to be like Jesus is what I'm trying to say. That was a mess. <laughs> but this is why we try to be better. It's not so that I'm like, hey, you got to act right. You got to be better. It's like, no, hey, I want to be like Jesus. I want you to be like Jesus. I want all of us to be like Jesus. And if we walk in that, we find ourselves becoming who we were really meant to be because the Bible says we we're made in his image. So she went from weeping to peace. Weeping to peace. Sign me up for that. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you for um, leading us, God, and guiding us in your ways and, and, and creating places in scripture like this where we can read stories that deeply impact us. And God, so help us to understand that our soul longs for you. And when we worship, God, when we, when we sing songs and when we pray, God, it's not just about singing songs and it's not just about music and it's not just about acting a certain way, God. What it's about is encountering 
the very thing our soul longs for. It's mimicking the, the woman that was at your feet, and she realized that it was all going to be okay after that. That she came to you in weeping and she left with peace. So, Lord, let that be our story. That we come to you with our sorrows. We come to you with our shame. We come to you with our guilt. We come to you with our tears. But, God, we leave you in peace and in boldness, God, and in in restoration. So thank you, Lord, for not just being a God that saves us, but being a God that transforms us and loves us into healing, God. And so we give you praise. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said amen. Amen.